Hi, so Julie and I are headed on our way to Iowa for our beautiful daughter's wedding. And uh, I just need to tell you that we have taken a bit of a detour to Minneapolis, Minnesota of all places. And the reason why is a story that I hope I'm gonna get to tell you in a little bit, but bottom line, I just wanna tell you, this is a ministry situation with somebody that we have been praying for for 20 years, more than 20 years. And, and God just opened up this ability for something to happen, which we have, it was better than we had hoped in everything that we were wanting and desiring for God to do. So an absolutely amazing thing. And I just want to share that with you to tell you, if you have something that you've been praying for for a long time, hang in there. God is amazing. And yeah, 20 years is a long time, but I got to tell you, it's worth it. <laughs> so praise God. All right. So what I get to do today is I am deeply honored and privileged to get to introduce you to today's speaker. This is Patricia Lyon, and she, I, we have known her since she was the right arm of my boss at Foursquare. And she's the one that made everything work, and she's just an incredibly talented, uh, just beautiful inside and out, and incredibly smart, and all of the things. But she made me promise that I wouldn't go on and on and embarrass her. So I've probably already done that. But let me just tell you the reason why I'm having her speak today. And that is, I prayed about it, and I thought that this is really the person that was supposed to speak today. And I went to her and I said, boy, I just really think you're the one. Talk to me. What would you say? What would you tell us if you could talk to us? And she had a couple just right off the top of her head. She said, well, I've got an interesting idea and an interesting idea here. And they were very interesting. It would make great sermons. And I said, those are great sermons, Patricia, but let me say something. I think of you. I consider you. I believe you to be an elder at Lake Sam. And the elders just have come to know him who was from the beginning in a way that they can communicate to us who God is, who we are, and how life is on just a much deeper level. And so I said, would you take a week? Would you pray about it? Would you see what the Lord brings? And sure enough, she comes back to me and she's never preached before. And she comes back to me with this thing about God and about life and about us in a way that I just went, oh, this, this shows me what I want to know about God and everything else. And so, like I say, I promised her I wouldn't embarrass her, but I just think this is an incredible woman. And I, I've heard this sermon. You are in for a treat. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy his anointing, his presence through Patricia Lyon. Oh, good. Okay. Hi. Hi. <laughs> uh, look at you all. <laughs> hey, Adam, who's praying today? I'm going to have them pray right now instead of later on. Would that be okay? Oh, yay. Lord, we just thank you so much for the work you're doing here and your majesty, your presence, your grace, your mercy. Uh, Lord, your awesomeness. 
Lord, I pray that you would just speak through Patricia this morning. Lord, that your words would be evident. Uh, Lord, that uh, you would speak through her to our hearts. Lord, open our hearts that we would receive. And Lord, I I pray that uh, you would also speak your words at Eastside Foursquare. Lord, that you would touch that congregation as well. We thank you for your grace and your mercy, all that you're doing, Lord. Amen. So my title is, well, what did you expect? It kind of sounds kind of, well, what did you expect? Uh, And I've actually acted like that some days before the Lord. Um, I'm going to talk to you a little bit from the Velveteen Rabbit. Some of you probably know this story. It's a story about, uh, the, the subtitle is, How Toys Become Real. It's a story about letting go of our rights and letting God. So I'm skipping kind of to the middle. Um, What do we got? Yeah, that's the Velveteen Rabbit on the Christmas morning that he showed up in his boy's stocking. And he was very, very clean and very beautiful and very rabbity. Filled with sawdust, but... He was very, very cute. He got played with for a couple of hours and then thrown off. And during one of those thrown off times, he was lying on the floor in the nursery with the skin horse. And they had a conversation. Let's see. Let me show you a picture of the skin horse. There we go. The skin horse had lived longer in the nursery than any of the others. Is that like being an elder, or is that just being old? (laughs) (laughs) He was so old that his brown coat was bald in patches and showed the seams underneath. And most of the hairs in his tail had been pulled out to string bead necklaces. He was wise, for he had seen a long succession of mechanical toys arrive to boast and swagger and by and by break their mainsprings and pass away. And he knew that they were only toys and would never turn into anything else. For nursery magic is very strange and wonderful. Only those playthings that are old and wise and experienced like the skin horse understand all about it. What is real, asked the rabbit when they were lying side by side near the nursery fender before Nana came to tidy the room. Does it mean having things that buzz inside you and a stick-out handle? Real isn't how you are made, said the skin horse. It's a thing that happens to you. When a child loves you for a long, long time, not just to play with, but really, really loves you, then you become real. Does it hurt? asked the rabbit. Sometimes, said the skin horse, for he was always truthful. When you are real, you don't mind being hurt. Does it happen all at once? Like being wound up, he asked, or bit by bit? It doesn't happen all at once, said the skin horse. You become. It takes a long time. That's why it doesn't often happen to people who break easily or have sharp edges or who have to be carefully kept. Generally, by the time you are real, 
Most of your hair has been loved off. Your eyes drop out. <laughs> you get loose in the joints and very shabby. But these things don't matter at all because once you are real, you can't be ugly except to people who don't understand. I suppose you are real, said the rabbit. And then he wished he hadn't said it, for he thought the skin horse might be sensitive. But the horse only smiled. The boy's uncle made me real, he said. That was a great many years ago. But once you are real, you can't become unreal again. It lasts for always. So, our rights, our expectations. When I was fresh out of college, I was a teacher, and I, had, I was tired, and I had a lot of kids, and I went swimming one night to swim laps, and um, I said to the Lord, I just want to go to the pool and swim my laps and not see any kids, please, please. And so I got in my suit, and I'm swimming my laps, and you know how the Lord is. He starts talking to me like, oh, really? So you don't want to be known as a person who loves kids? <laughs> I'm like, I just wanted a break, Lord. He goes, no, no, no. What do you want to be known as? You want to hide from them? You want to love them? And I said, well, you know, obviously I want to love because that's who I want to be. So I swam my laps, got out. I'm standing in the shower, wringing out my suit. My hair is full of shampoo. Three of my students come up to me. <laughs> I stand there buck naked. And the kids go, hi, Miss Lyon. How are you? How we saw you. Here you are. And so I just washed the soap out of my hair, and I turned around. I said, hey, what's going on? What are you guys doing? You know? And they're just like, they didn't even know I was naked. They didn't know. They just saw their teacher. You know? And I thought, Lord, that is so funny of you. <laughs> and it was actually. I went home and I thought, you know, God is so much having a sense of humor sometimes about how we live our lives. So, uh, let's see here. Here's my next slide The Declaration of Independence. This is ours. We hold these truths to be sacred and undeniable, that all men are created equal and independent, that from that equal creation, they derive rights inherent and inalienable, among which are the preservation of life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. This is our country's constitution. We have our rights. You know what I mean? So, as I was reading that, I went, inalienable. What does that mean? I mean, like, I didn't even know. So I looked it up. It says, it's a right according to natural law as opposed to legal law. Um, natural, here we go. Let me turn it over to that so you can see it. Um, natural rights are those not contingent upon laws or customs or beliefs of any particular culture or government. And therefore, they are universal and inalienable. For example, 
those rights cannot be repealed or restrained by human laws. Hold on a second here. I'm struggling with this thing coming off. If I can get it back on. There we go. Um, European Christians call the U.S. church the happy church. We become Christians because we want to be happy. If we're not happy, it's not the right church for us. Um, they don't even expect to be happy. Their lives are so hard, especially in the Eastern Bloc, which is kind of where I'm talking about. Their lives are tough. They expect joy. They expect to be blessed, but they, they know their lives are going to be hard. I had one of my um, best friends was um, an overseer in the Eastern Bloc, and she went over to a conference to meet with several of the leaders. There were I don't know, 20, 25 people there. And when, you know, in this country, when we think conference, we think, ooh, fancy hotel, good food, spa in the back. You know, I mean, we think conference, cool. She was in Kazakhstan, in Alma-Ata, and they had their conference in one little tiny room, dirt floor, and one small wood stove in the middle of the room. That was their conference for like four days. She said, I was frozen. <laughs> but the power of God was amazing there. She said, I've never experienced the spirit of God like I did there. And she goes, when those people worshipped, they knew what it was about because they didn't have much. They had almost nothing. We are a country of rights. We know our rights. I want my rights. Jesus said, John came neither eating nor drinking, and you said, he's got a demon. I come eating and drinking, and you say, he's a glutton, he's a wine-bibber. He's a friend of tax collectors and sinners. He says, what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who are gorgeously apparelled and live in luxury are in king's courts. When you became a Christian, what did you expect? Or now that you've been a Christian for a while, what do you expect from God? What do you expect from you? Happiness? Your rights? No struggles? Perfectly understandable life. Fulfillment of all your wishes and desires. Is there a why that keeps drumming at you? Why that? I expected to be married. I expected to have a family. I expected to have a stable job. I don't. <laughs> I don't know if I ever will. But... All along, I thought I was following God. So now I look back and I go, okay, I didn't get what I wanted. I've cried. I've screamed. I've shut down. I've rebelled. I've actually acted quite a bit like Job. It's not fair. I put my money in the Coke machine. I prayed. I read my Bible. I worshipped. I did stuff. Where's my Coke? 
I want my Coke. I put my stuff in. I should get it. The Bible says in Psalms, he gave them their request, but he sent leanness into their souls. David. Oops, I missed one. Where are we? Uh oh. Sorry. Okay. Let's get this here. Okay. A messenger came to David saying, The hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. He had sat at the gate for over two years, and when people would come in to talk to the king and get wisdom from the king, Absalom would say, oh, he's, he's too busy. Let me help you. And he ended up winning the hearts of all the people. And he came to David and, and said, you're out, Dad. It's mine. Get out. So David was afraid. He arose. He said, let's flee or we'll not escape from Absalom. Make haste to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring disaster on us. And strike the city with the edge of the sword. And the king's servants said to the king, we're your servants will do whatever my lord the king commands. There was Zadok also. Now he was the high priest, and he was the guy in charge of the Ark of the Covenant. David said, I'm leaving, I'm taking the Ark with me. Absalom is not getting the Ark, because that was a source of blessing. That Ark, wherever that Ark went, there was blessing from God. Just one time I was on the threshing floor of this guy nobody really even knew, just blessing just poured in on him. So David said, I'm taking it. So they took it. And Abiathar went up until all the people had finished crossing over from the city. And the king said to Zadok, he had a change of heart. He said, carry it back into the city. If I find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he'll bring it back and show me both it. He will bring me back and show me both it and his dwelling place. But if he says thus, I have no delight in you, here I am. Let him do with me as seems good to him. Now when King David came to Barim, there was a man from the family of the house of Saul whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera, coming from there. He came out cursing continuously as he came, and he threw stones at David and all the servants of David, and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. Then Abishai, the son of Zariah, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord and king? Let me cut his head off! But the king said, don't do it. Let him curse. The Lord probably said to him, curse David. Who am I to say, why have you cursed me? This is hard to understand, isn't it? David, he's the king. I mean, he, he was a mighty man. He'd take him out in a heartbeat. And David said to Abishai and all his servants, See how my son, who came from my own body, seeks my life. How much more now this Shimei, this Benjamite, leave him alone. Let him curse. For so the Lord has ordered him. It may be that the Lord will look on my affliction and that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing this day. And as David and his men went along the road, Shimei went along the hillside opposite him and cursed as he went through stones at him and kicked up dust. 
That's a hard story for me. And it's hard when I think there are times in my life like that too, where I had to just be quiet. I couldn't just go chop off someone's head. I mean, you know how we do with our words. We can do it. You can bite their heads off easily. So, he humbled himself before God. No demands, no tantrums, simple acceptance. What do you expect from God? Here are a few things our Father promises us. Surprising. He chastens us. He scourges every son he receives. He fed us in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers didn't know, that he might humble you and he might test you and do good to you in the end. Know that the testing of your faith produces patience. Full of the Spirit, Jesus was, was taken into the wilderness. It says he was driven into the wilderness. He was tempted by the devil. God did not tempt him. He was tempted by the devil. And what the devil tempted him with was his identity. Here's what he says. If you are the son of God, command that stone to become bread. If you are the son of God. And he says, I'll give you all these kingdoms of the world. Just bow down and worship me. Jesus knew they were already his. He made them. Then he says at the end, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. I know the angels will catch you. If you are. So when you're tempted, when you're tested, some of that goes to your identity. Has the enemy been getting a hold of you on your identity? When you're tempted, when you're tested, is that what you hear? Hey, you're nothing. God doesn't care about you. Look at all this bad stuff happening to you. You're not loved. But right after that wilderness temptation, it says Jesus came back in the power of the Spirit. He went in in the fullness of the Spirit. He came back in the power. And that Greek word is dunamis. And right after that, he went into the temple and he opened the book to Isaiah 61. And he read, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now that is identity. What has God asked you to do? Who are you? How did he make you? So let's ask a different question, could I? What does God expect of us? What did John the Baptist and Jesus preach? They preached, repent. I always think of that joke. This is so dumb. I can't believe this is coming up in my head. Have you heard that joke? Repaint, you thinner. <laughs> uh, okay, anyway. Repent. 
Turn your heart in a new direction. Confess your sins that times of refreshing may come and you be cleansed from all unrighteousness. When did you last repent of anything? I don't, I don't do it easily. Actually, I don't like it. I have friends who have recently become Catholic, and I'm not advocating Catholic. I love them dearly. I love Catholics. Um, they, love, they love confession. They know they don't have to go to the priest. They know they can go straight to God and confess. They know they can. But they have made it a habit to go to the priest every week and confess their sins. And they're like, our lives are different. I'm thinking, I should do that. I should go. I should have somebody maybe I go to once a week go, can I confess my sins to you? That'd be kind of good, wouldn't it? Anyway, um, Jesus saw the uh, Pharisees and Sadducees, and he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. What are those? You know, the Pharisees and Sadducees, I mean, they had lists and lists and lists of things that they needed to do to get close to God. I mean, I mean they couldn't even do half of them themselves. And the punishment to not do them was mean. There's this youth pastor that used to, used to say, okay, I'm going to make a watermelon now, and he'd do this, his Arnold thing, and he'd pump it all up, you know. And he'd go, that's not how watermelons are made. That's not how we bear fruit. We don't pump it up. We don't work really hard to bear fruit. The life of Jesus is not possible without the life of Jesus. Once our spirits are awakened, the seed is planted, just like a watermelon. You plant a watermelon seed, what do you get? Watermelon. The watermelon doesn't struggle. It doesn't doesn't work hard to make itself into a watermelon. It has a seed. When you repented, when you accepted God's love for you, when you said to Jesus, you're my Lord, that seed was planted in you, and you're going to bear fruit. You don't have to work hard. Well, sometimes we do. But it's there to be grown. It's going to start growing in you. And you'll see it. And you'll watch it grow. And you'll be amazed. Because it's not you doing it. Maybe these are some of the fruits you might have. If your brother has something against you, be reconciled. Then bring your gift. Love your enemies. That's hard. That comes from the Spirit. Bless those who curse you. That's what David did. Do good to those who hate you. That's what the Spirit gives you the ability to do when you're reborn on the inside. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. You'll do these things as your spirit begins to grow. There's another scripture that I just want to talk about here because I've had people talk to me about it, and it's called, it, it says, the ax is laid to the root. Every tree not bearing fruit is, come, is cut down and thrown into the fire. That is not you when you don't perform right. God doesn't come with the ax and go, whack, you're out of here. 
that he doesn't, he doesn't take the axe to you, that's for somebody who's never been reborn again and refuses God's love. In the end, that's how their lives end up. But that's not a flawed Christian. He doesn't have the ax just waiting for you. So that's just an aside. Okay. Oh, a little bit more of the story here. So as time went on, the rabbit became this kid's favorite toy. He was very happy. So happy that he never noticed how his beautiful velveteen fur was getting shabbier and shabbier and his tail coming unsewn and all the pink rubbed off his nose where the boy had kissed him. Spring came and they had long days in the garden for wherever the boy went, the rabbit went too. He had rides in the wheelbarrow and picnics on the grass and lovely fairy huts built for him under the raspberry canes behind the flower border. But then the boy became sick and... Um, the bunny had gotten left outside, and he brought in, and the Nana was saying, I can't believe you want this silly toy. And the boy sat up in the bed and said, give me my bunny. You mustn't say he's just a toy. He's real. Jesus was baptized. Jesus said, uh, God said to him out of the clouds, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus did everything the Father did. He said everything the Father said. He healed people. He cast out demons. He did, in the end, what God asked him to do. But his skin was all rubbed off. His friends had betrayed him. And his life ended painfully. But he was real. In the garden at the end, Jesus repented. No, not from sin. He gave in to the life that was requested of him. He sweated big drops of blood. He knew what God had asked him to do. Are there things God's asked you to do and you don't want to do them? Because you have your rights? Job finally came saying, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Are you able to say that about your life in some of the areas where you struggle? I've had to say it. Lord, if I never become rich, it's okay. If I never get married and have children, it's okay. You can do anything you want to with me. I'm yours. It was a bright sunny morning and the window stood wide open. They had carried the boy out to the balcony wrapped in a shawl and the little rabbit lay tangled up among the bedclothes thinking the boy was going to the seaside tomorrow. The boy had become sick with scarlet fever actually and so he had to go to the seaside to recover. Everything was arranged and now it only remained to carry out the doctor's orders. They talked all about it while the little rabbit lay under the bedclothes with just his head peeping out and listened. The room was to be disinfected and all the books and toys that the boy had played with in bed must be burned. How about this old bunny, Nanny asked. That, said the doctor, oh, it's a mass of scarlet fever germs. Burn it at once. What? Nonsense. Get him a new one. He mustn't have that anymore. And so the rabbit was put in a sack and carried out and the sack had been left untied. So by wriggling a bit, 
He was able to get his head through the opening and look out. He was shivering a little, for he had always been used to sleeping in a proper bed, and by this time his coat had worn so thin and threadbare from hugging that there was no longer any protection to him. He thought of the skin horse, so wise and gentle in all that he had told him. Of what use was it to be loved and lose one's beauty and become real if it all ended like this? A tear, a real tear, trickled down his little shabby velvet nose and fell to the ground. And then a strange thing happened. For where the tear had fallen, a flower grew out of the ground. A mysterious flower. It was the fairy, magic fairy in the nursery. The rabbit had become real. And he eventually becomes a real rabbit and goes out into rabbit heaven. Um, end of story. Will you repent? Will you let God use the life in you however he chooses? Or will you demand the right to yourself? So as we're walking as David did in the wilderness, maybe away from our rights, what can you expect? You get God. That's who you get. That's all there is. You get God. So, is my life different now? No, it's the same, but I'm different. I'm so very grateful for the life God has given me. I became real a long time ago, but I've had to walk it out with God, step by step. There's a man named Dick Remington. He was a pastor in Wyoming. Kurt, you probably know him. Sure you do. Um, he's, he, he and his wife went to the mission field when they were retirement age. He said, I, I want to die empty. I want to give everything I am away. And they're still doing it. I'm going to tell you one of my favorite stories. When I worked for the um, district office, we used to do pastor's conferences. And we... Uh, had a conference in a nice hotel <laughs> on the beach in, in uh, Seaside, Oregon. And I, I had some really tough stuff going on in my life right then. And I got up early in the morning, and I went out to the beach. And I was walking along, and I there was this pastor's wife, and she was so cute, so darling, so vivacious. And she used to say, I'm God's favorite, la la la, I'm God's favorite, I'm kind of like, Meh. you know, how come you're his favorite, and so that morning I was walking out to the beach, and I said to the Lord, Lord, I, I want to be your favorite, can I be your favorite, I said, can I just find one sand dollar, just one whole sand dollar, you know, sometimes you go to the beach, and they're all broken up, you just, they're not there, so I walked maybe two steps, and there was a sand dollar right there. One whole sand dollar right there. I picked it up. I walked a couple more steps, and there was another one, and 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 another one. I picked up 63 sand dollars. <laughs> As it happened, there were 63 people at the conference. And I came back, and I gave every one of them a sand dollar. And I said to them, you're God's favorite. 
You are God's favorite. And if I had a sand dollar right now, I would give every one of you a sand dollar and I would say to you, you are God's favorite. I'm gonna give us some response time and I actually want you to get out of your chair. Not right now, but when you're ready. And then everybody else, if you're not up here responding, just take communion on your own. You've got those two little cups there and just, just take communion on your own. And when you're done with communion, if you just filter out and then let people who are responding just be up here and take care of business with God. So, do you need to repent for the very first time? You want to become real? You need to repent from demanding something from God that He's not giving you right now? And just let Him love you. Come on up. So, if you want prayer when you get up here, just raise your hand. And those of you who pray, come pray. Come pray for people. All right, so... This is it. We're, we're at the end here. I want you to get out of your chairs and come up here if you need to do business with God. Okay? Kevin's just going to pray, and I want you to just take care.